The Memories with My Father project is dedicated to the life of David Richens Roberry and is given to him by all his children to celebrate his 70th birthday. We hope the capturing of some of the cherished, funny, and supportive memories of our father will bring joy not only to him, but to all who listen and inspire others to capture the important memories before they're gone. Please enjoy the third episode in this series featuring Ryan Roberry reliving memories with his dad. Hey there, Dad. Uh, this is uh, Brandon. I am interviewing Ryan for this one right now. Hello, Ryan. Where are we? Uh, where are we catching you? Hi, Dad. How are you? Uh, this is Ryan. I'm being interviewed in Provo, Utah. Provo, Utah. Do you live in Provo, Utah? No, I do not live in Provo, Utah. I am oh. a visiting professor for the fall semester 2018 at BYU Law School, and then in December, the family and I will leave Provo and go back to Atlanta. That's awesome, because you never know, 100 years from now, the great-great-grandkids could be listening to this, and they want to know where oh, you're yeah, at. No, it's, it's all about the details. It's all <laughs> That's right. And I'm coming to you from Abu Dhabi, uh, my, my long-term home, and who knows what's going to happen from there. But um, let's, let's dig right into this. So what are some fun things? I actually have, what, what are some of your earliest memories, Ryan? Maybe ones that include Dad. Do you have any flashes of memory from, like, your early, early childhood? Well, my flash, the, the, my earliest flash of memory, and I honestly don't know if I'm making this up or if it's a flash of memory, but it doesn't, involve, it doesn't involve dad at all. It actually involves you, me, Michael, and Justin sitting in the living room at 2835 Salmon yeah, with a newborn baby in mom's arms and mom asking us what we should name her. Oh, wow. And, okay. and I honestly don't even know if that really happened or if this was something I dreamed and I think has happened. <laughs> Fair enough. Or you watched a movie and you Not, put yourself you know, in there now. Yeah, I, I honestly that don't even know if this scenario really even happened, but it, 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 it feels very real to me. So I'm going with okay. it. Okay. We're going to go with that. And let, we're, we're going to assume if it's real, dad was probably there because, you know, that's, well, I, unless he was off I, and mom I, just had us all around. Yeah, I just couldn't see him. Maybe he was behind us because I didn't. He he wasn't in the picture that I'm in my mind. So, and I'm sure he was somewhere <laughs> in the house. You know? Yeah, no kidding. Huh. Yeah, huh. yeah. That's pretty funny. That's cool stuff. All right, uh, so let's go to let's start out with something funny and stuff. Um, what do you? What are dads? What do you pick up from him in terms of quotes and mannerisms and sayings? Oh, like yeah. kind of stuff I mean, that you that you grew up with that maybe you still got. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, dad is, you know, he's essentially a record of the oldies, you know. I mean, you know, right. put him on repeat. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, the classic, I mean, if you talk with David Richens Roberry for maybe 37 seconds or more, you're going to hear the phrase, bless your heart. Oh, yes. Classic. 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 The classic one. He'll say this, and he'll say this numerous times throughout the conversation, bless your heart, bless your heart. And the great thing is... Bless your heart, where I live in Atlanta, is code. <laughs> it's code for, oh, this person's a really big idiot. And so when dad came to Atlanta, and dad is, you know, he's a genuine guy. He's meaning it well. He wants people he is, to do yeah. well and, you know, all of those things. But he's t- talking to all my friends from the South, and he'd be like, oh, bless your heart, bless your heart. And they are looking at me like, does he know what he's actually saying? And I... 
would always have to go back to the night and be like, my dad really means that. He means it well. He's not meaning it in a Southern yeah. way of like, does your dad think we're all idiots? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Everybody sort of like, I, I, and I told him this his first day there. I was like, dad, you got to sort of rein in the bless your hearts. Because but he can't do it. I mean, he can't do it. Way. No. It's, That's his thing. No, it's like hardwired. It's hardwired in there. Um, and so mm. that was that was one of the funniest sort of favorite quotes because he'll say it all the time, but it has such a different meaning in the South that uh, and he could never, you know, he could never quite break the habit. So he's just sort of continued on. Crazy memory like that because I don't I don't have all that stuff still. Um, you know, not not quite not quite up to his. Did Dad ever um, when you were younger? Did he ever use you as a as an object lesson, like in seminary or institute or anything? Of course. I mean, that's part of being a rowberry. Uh, underneath yeah. that is like this is part of the the game one one experience i had which sticks out in my mind about that is that when i was about so let's see fats you would have been about 17 18 no 16 17 i was probably 15 16 somewhere in there um dad was giving a lecture or a presentation to a religious studies class, either at Denver University or Regis College, somewhere downtown, in downtown Denver. Okay. And then they asked him to come and talk about Mormonism or now the faith of the Church of Jesus Christ. The Church of Jesus Christ. Oh, well done. Yeah, I just well wanted done. to throw that out there. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I remember I went with him. I was the only one that went with him on this particular speaking engagement. And most of the time it was you know, dad gave some 20 minute presentation about an overview of the foundational principles and doctrines of, of our faith. Uh, and then they, you know, they, the class was opened up to questions and they asked dad a bunch of questions. Um, something, some about the three degrees of glory, others about sort of the, are the relationship of LDS people with the earth, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and then my dad's like, you know, he introduced me to the class. So they knew I was there. And some kid, some college student at the time says, you know, you, you, you mentioned your son is here, but we want to hear from him. And my dad's like, yeah, that'd be great. So get up here, Ryan. <laughs> Fantastic. So I'm like, uh, this was not part yeah. of the deal. Um, <laughs> so I stood up in front of this college class. Um, I have no idea what year they were in college. And essentially, they started asking me about the three degrees of glory and about other sort of foundational wow. pieces. And, you know, I mean, I could explain it in basic format, um, but it, on the one hand, it was great because I think dad got to see that some of the things that he was trying to teach us at home actually had sunk in. Um, mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I learned a great lesson that, that I could answer questions from even people that were much older and I presumed much smarter than I was um, because I had never really done that before. This was, you know, a couple of years before the mission. You know, this was not Mr. Burgles or anybody from, you know, AP US history, oh, right? I mean, Mr. Burgles. Mr. Burgle. I'm yes. going to bring that one back. Yeah. I mean, wow. You know, he would let wow. me teach the Mormon side of, you know, the US history equation because he didn't know it. But yeah, me too. This was not Mr. <laughs> Burgles. These were people that were studying religion and, you know, of various different faiths. And, and it was a really interesting time and one that I'll remember because I, I felt empowered afterwards. Um, and yeah. I think dad was, was proud of me. And, but of course, I mean, he, he made no, um, no stop to try to run interference on that one. He's like, oh yeah, my son will do that. Come on up. 
you know. (laughs) (laughs) Make it happen. There was was no, uh, I mean, maybe he had been, he was praying really hard for me. I don't know. I imagine he was. Uh, But yeah, dad has never been shy about putting his children uh, up in front of people or and expecting them to hold their own. Yeah, perform. That's fine. Or he, you know, when he's in a stake or in the other places, he'll talk about us, right? Obviously, while we're there, oh, I think yeah, he waits till we are at, we are actually there, and then you know throws it out. And there. then we have to stand up so that people can see you while you're. That's right. Everybody see yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> while the while the conversation is going on. You know, and sometimes <sighs> I don't know if you've noticed this, Fats, but over time, some of these common stories, mom and especially dad, will tell about us. They they can get a little embellished from time to time. You know, now why not? When you've heard a hey, few of them no. several times, you're like, wait a minute, you didn't say that one in the last state conference. That's right. It's, um, it's bigger, but, it's I mean, better. It's yeah, not. I mean, maybe, maybe the spirit giveth utterance, you know? That's what happens. That's mm. what happens. Maybe. Huh, that's really cool. So what about, um, what about any vacations or trips or campouts and all that stuff we did? Any of those come to mind? Well, I mean, if, I'll, I'll tell you two of them. You know, they're both classics. One is Good. coming back I'm from another class. Grandma Roberry's house and all of us eating those ham sandwiches. Oh, my gosh. And we all got food poisoned, <laughs> except for uh, mom. So, 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 t- so there may be people listening to this that doesn't know the story. So give, oh, yeah, give yeah, us yeah. the 60-second version of the let story. Let me throw this out there. So we have, were living <clears> in Colorado, and I can't remember why we were coming back at that point. Do you remember why, Brandon? Was it? The, I don't. Uh, we went every year back right, to Idaho, was this, and, and I sometimes this more. Was like but, the funeral of Great Grandma Barbara. Oh, I honestly, I don't know. No, but I don't anyway. know which one. Well, it was. anyway, we were coming back from Idaho, driving from you know over that beautiful stretch uh, of Wyoming, which is just hideously ugly from Idaho to mm, Cheyenne. And how I miss you, you know, Grandma, because she shows her love through food. They cooked us all of this wonderful ham sandwiches that were really tasty. And so being teenagers and so almost teenagers, we gobbled them all up. And, and about when we hit mm, Rock Springs, Wyoming, mm. I remember I said, Dad, I don't feel well. And because my stomach was always the weakest of the family, I was sort of the, Indeed. I was the canary in the coal mine. So Mm. they're like, something's going wrong. So I said, can we pull over at the gas station? So we did. (laughs) I went over the, I went into the bathroom, into this gas station. It was absolutely a nasty toilet. But at that point I didn't Mm. care. And I just, I just threw up everything into that toilet. I filled it and I was like, yeah, I still feel, you know, not so great, but a little bit better. And so dad bought me some, a seven up knockoff called bubble up. (laughs) <laughs> Not sure if you remember the old bubble up, but he says, bubble yeah, up. Drink, drink this bubble up, you know, and the carbonation will help settle your stomach. And so we got back on the road. And the reason we had to get back on the road so quick was dad had to be at work the next day. So we had to sort of make the trip during this time. So I'm sitting in the back of, um, this was when we rented the minivan fats. It oh, was, oh, one of those. It was okay. the time we so rented the later. minivan. And yeah, which is very rare, right? Extremely we didn't rare. rent cars. And yeah. on the way out, on, on, this is a sort of a sidelight, but on the way out to Idaho, remember, Dad got stopped for a speeding ticket. In the yeah, right, because he's not used to a, a, a car that can actually go yeah, there. And, 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 and was, he was like, but it was so smooth. There's no way we could be going seven. 
that's so sweet. that's right. Oh, but, oh, when our van got sixty five, it started to shake. Yeah, I mean, it just yeah. So anyway, we were huh. in that uh, rental that rental van. So I'm sitting like in the you know second bench seat or something back there, and I have a uh, the remnants of a um, bread bag just in case I threw up again. Right, so. You know, mm. bread we had already eaten, but I had the bread bag. And, and we did have one Tupperware bowl, which we pulled out. And I remember I said, oh, I'm going to throw up again. I started th- And I threw up all the bubble up. And at this point, I was the only one that had thrown up. And, and that wasn't necessarily uncommon, right? I mean, that's like, okay, whatever. One kid gets sick. That's how it works. Um, but then as we start going along down the road a little farther after Rock Springs, people who don't usually have nausea problems started feeling sick like you and justin yeah and soon soon we're passing around that that big tupperware bowl we're like i gotta go i got a chunder and then then someone's else like give me the bowl (laughs) and then about every 15 minutes or so dad would pull over the side of the road we throw this gigantic bowl of barf off the side of the road and get back mm. in the, the van and keep going. <laughs> I mean, we did this for uh, hours. We did this for hours across Wyoming. And I remember dad started feeling sick. He pulled over to the side of the road. He threw up in the side of the road and he got back in. Mom was the only one that didn't get sick. Cause yeah, she, mom didn't get sick. She had been eating salt and nuts and she claimed that somehow the salt may have counteracted the food poisoning we were protected her yeah but anyway at some point we you me everybody in the car we were throwing up bile because there was nothing left in our stomachs and Mm. bile is you know it tastes it's just one of those tasty you throw up and there's nothing to throw up so you're gagging and then the bio comes up afterwards, and it burns. Yeah. And it tastes—you know that feeling, yeah. It tastes just like mm. it tastes basically like urine is coming up the wrong way. Um, and given that I was actually forced to lick urine in my childhood, I know what that tastes like. Oh, so, you're nasty. But yeah, so this—that was a definitely a memorable trip. We finally did actually end up stopping and staying in a motel. And, of course, most of us, a lot of us slept on the floor because we only went to rented run one room. And so a lot of us slept yeah. on the floor. But most of us were cycling in and out of the bathroom all night, just throwing up. It was awesome. And it was great. I mean, it was one of those uh, memorable. So that was fantastic. Yeah. Any memories that don't include, like, massive amounts of barf? Oh, yeah. I mean, the big, the other memory that really comes to mind was our big trip back east in the Winnipeg. The back east trip. Yeah. Oh yes, classic in the in the like nineteen seventies Winnebago that we bought mm. to go on this trip. I was a freshman in high school, which means no, you weren't, or I was in eighth grade. No, yes, this was ni- nineteen eighty eight, right? Yeah, so I'd have been thirteen. Right, I was. Wait, I w- I would have been going into my freshman year, so because this is nineteen eighty eight, right? Been yeah, going okay, that makes sense. Yeah, somewhere okay. around there. All right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, that was a fantastic trip. I mean, I can remember playing cards. Well, da- you know, Dad is the only one driving. <laughs> I-, I think Michael did do. He let Michael drive a little bit. I yeah, remember. Yeah, he let Michael drive a little on the highway, and I remember driving this big monster Winnebago, and we're coming into, I believe it was Chicago, 
on the 4th of July. Oh, you remember that? Yeah. yeah. And right. we saw fireworks coming in. And so dad is like, you know, let's go, let's go to Chicago. Let's go downtown. And here we are, this big monster Winnebago on the very narrow, sometimes small streets of downtown Chicago. And people are looking at us like, why did you come into town? <laughs> do you remember us having to turn around? Yes, I do. And it yeah. was very, very painful. Yeah, a awesome. lot of stops yeah. and starts. Um, <laughs> that was extremely memorable. Also because we, when we hit Washington, D.C., we broke down in the parking lot of the Watergate Hotel. Yeah. Where and we stayed over. Yeah, and we stayed over there, and a policeman checked on us because we weren't supposed to be there. And we said, well, we're going to get the Winnebago fixed in the morning. And he stayed there. He's like, this is not a good area of town. Um, yeah. And he yeah. stayed and watched over us all night, which was very kind of him. Um, and one specific memory of Dad, which he may or may not remember, is as we were walking on the National Mall, we, were walk- we weren't terribly far from the Washington Monument. There had been some rain a couple days or day before we were there, and there were some puddles that I was running ahead and sticking my shoe like sideways in and spraying the the water to the right, you know, just making a spray. And I remember Got running it, yeah. up to one of these puddles and jumping in it and spraying it, looking to my right, and Dad walked right into it. Oh, sort of nice. This kind of muddy, watery mixture, and it got all over his... He had this sort of white and blue shirt on. And he, let's just say he was not pleased. Not pleased? What? Not pleased with this rinse that I had given him for free. Uh, um, you'd think he would be because it was a hot summer. Yeah, so. it was a hot, that was a hot time. But uh, he was not pleased. And he was, I remember, um, being scolded at that point. <laughs> um, I remember being Rightly scolded. So. And then we hit the eastern seaboard. And Michael and Brandon, because they were awesome swimmers, are like, oh, I don't care why genius. all these people are waiting on the beach. I'm going out into the surf. I'm going to swim Making out there. And yeah. they swam right into a pool of jellyfish. And they got stuck. Yeah. And then you guys. It's one of more threw, painful memories. You guys threw up, if I remember. Yeah. Correctly. Again, like quite up. a bit. Yeah. By the I time not- I got back, to, by the time I got back to the beach, I was uh, purple on all of my legs. And uh, yeah, I, yeah. Gave my lunch up, yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, so there. And then we visited Jamestown, Virginia. Um, yeah, I guess a lot of my memories had to do with somebody throwing up. But we visited Jamestown, Virginia, and at that point, <laughs> we were crossing this bridge over this tiny little river. And Justin looks at Dad, and he's like, "I don't feel well," and he throws up some ricey stuff on the bridge. Oh, and remember, Dad grabs it. him and pushes him to the side of the bridge and he starts throwing up into this little river and there were like <laughs> chinese tourists and everybody walking over this bridge. right right just we're walking, just walking over the bridge yeah just watching him retch into the in, into the side of this thing but these um, are these are you know i think throw up must be powerful memories because justin when i when i interviewed him he he has that memory you know of him oh yeah doing that over the bridge <laughs> like, i mean i remember watching it and i'm just like ooh. This is not good. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. But yeah, I remember so many memories from that. You know, I, I really applaud mom and dad because it was not easy to plan and execute. Yeah. That with kind a big of a trip family. With, with seven kids because we were gone a long and with, time. Yeah. Yeah. With the budget we had to be, the obviously, budget. at the, you know, when you're looking back there, 
driving. I mean, we went all over, right? From Boston down to oh yeah, uh, Virginia. Uh, Boston you know, down to Virginia. Great. I went to Mount Vernon. Um, and yeah, so I mean, that was big. There was, I mean, a lot of memories were made. Played a lot of cards, and I can remember that when the the sleeping quarters in the Winnebago were down during the drive. Dad would have to sit in a certain way that scrunched his neck a little bit. He couldn't sit all the way up and drive. Right. Because but of the thing that would hang down. Yeah. Because the thing that came down, but nevertheless, he did it for us. Because he did it. Yeah, he, he did it. So his kids could sleep. Up we, there. we would sleep during the day and not whine as much as we probably would have whined otherwise. Um, so those are some, I mean, those are some, some great sort of family memories I have of, of uh, our, hmm. our trip back east. What do you, what do you remember? What do you, so? What do you remember with Dad and food? Any any food memories stick out, well, or did course. he ever cook anything that was any good or any bad? Well, I mean, the you know his his really his dish where he made his signature move was with Spotted Pup. <laughs> spotted Pup. Um, oh, Spotted Pup. Yeah, I mean, it's for those of you that don't know, Spotted Pup is uh, rolled oats in water. And then at some point, Dad claims at a very particular point in the boiling process, the addition of raisins mm. that plump up. Yeah. And then you essentially eat spot, you know, with or without brown sugar, your choice. Um, but he calls yeah. this spotted pup, and it was his, his sort of go-to breakfast food. Um, it was a move after Triticale. Honestly, yeah. I don't remember Dad cooking much at all. Um, yeah, not no, no, so much because he was he was usually not home. He was usually until not home. Yeah, time I mean, to so eat. He cook eggs, toast, spotted pup. Yeah, right, you know, I mean, easy stuff, basic stuff. But I don't remember him cooking very much at all. But um, I do remember, and this is still the case, that Dad is uh, very weak when it comes to spicy foods. Ah, indeed. Yeah, he does not did. like it. No, does not like no. spicy foods. So. Yeah, I find that, you know, mom loves the spicy foods. Dad does not like the spicy foods. Um, all right. We all got different stuff. Yeah, we do. It's good. Cool. Yeah. Let's shift gears then. Let's go um, Let's go older now. What about your mission, right? Mom and dad came to pick all of us, I think, except for Christy because it wasn't allowed there uh, from their missions. What do you remember from that time? Yeah, so that was pretty special for me. So I served my mission in the Hamburg-Germany mission, which is it doesn't exist anymore. It's been collapsed into the Berlin mission. Um, and that is, for those of you that don't know, uh, in northern Germany. So our, my mission covered from the Danish border all the way down to sort of the middle of Germany. And then we had a few east, what were then, you know, east German cities uh, in our mission. And then the western border was Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, so all of that sort of area. And it's largely agrarian. Um, so when mom and dad came to pick me up... Um, yeah, it was a very surreal experience because I can remember seeing them and hugging them and loving them. And then about the next 10 minutes, I, I sort of realized what they were there to do, and that was to take me away from my mission. And I was angry. Yeah. <laughs> I was very angry. What? <laughs> because I, was, I, I wanted to stay. I, you know, that was my yeah, home. Me too. It was where I grew up. And, um. But it was kind of special because what, what we got to do, because I was in northern Germany, um, mom and dad rented a car. We put the car on a car ferry, and we got to go up to Sweden for about three or four days. And I got to drive around with dad and mom and listen to dad's mission and meet people that he had met or baptized or befriended uh, on his mission. So I got to see 
Sweden uh, in a whole different way, uh, which was a really, it was a real treat. Also, because I was thinking and reading and speaking in Northern German, Swedish is not that difficult. I could understand 60 to 70 percent of what was said. Now, the writing, they use different, you know, spellings and other things. So that was a little different. But so I could even, you know, Hmm. marginally get around in in Sweden. Um, But it was absolutely fascinating to, to see these people who he had not seen in 20 years and to see their love for him. Uh, and to meet a boy, well, not a boy, he was, you know, a young man at that point named David Yearhammer, who was named after him. Yeah. Um, from Ulf Arne Yearhammer oh, wow. was baptized by dad on his mission, and he became the first stake president, I believe. No, the first stake president with a PhD in Sweden, in Stockholm, and he named his oldest son David after dad. Um, huh. and, wow. Dave, and David is... You know, as dad would say, probably looks a lot like him, you know, strapping, tall, all those things. (laughs) Dad thinks he is. (laughs) But that was really neat to meet these people who who had remained faithful in the gospel. And it was sort of, I likened it a little bit to Ammon seeing his brethren after their respective missions to the Lamanites and rejoicing that they were still brethren in the Lord. And that's kind of the, the feeling that I got when we went through Stockholm and Katrina home and Yutaburi and all of these different places that dad served. Um, then we took the car and we drove back down and got on the ferry and got back down to, uh, to Germany. And it was really then that it hit me that I was leaving, you know, that I was, was not going home or I, that I was not coming back. Um, and I kind of wanted mom and dad to just drop me off and go home themselves. I didn't want to come home with, them. um, and I remember being in the mission home on my last night, and Elder Mueller, who was a Swiss elder and a very good friend of mine, who had already gone back to Switzerland, was actually in the mission home, had come back up to visit at that time. And I had not slept in a room by myself in, you know, a long time, more than two a years. A long probably. time, that's right. Yeah. And I remember sleeping in the room by myself, and Elder Mueller was sleeping in the room next door to me. And I was like, I can't do this. And so I pulled the mattress off of the bed in the mission home and plopped it on the floor by Elder Miller. And we just talked late into the night um, about how, hmm. how strange it was to be, you know, going home from a mission. Um, yeah. But I remember mom and dad being there and, and it was wonderful to meet their people, meet dad's people in Sweden. And they got to meet a lot of the people that I grew to love uh, in Germany. It was an extremely meaningful uh, experience uh, for me. That's fantastic. Yeah. Same. I can echo a lot of the same stuff. It was uh, it was great stuff. So let's fast forward a little more. Then, what about uh, wedding time? Ooh. So, any uh, interesting thing? Any any interesting memories around the wedding? Did Barb get like the talk or the interview, or whether it's before wedding and or and or during? You know, not really. That's the thing. We Barb and I, because we were sort of different in the sense that I got married. I was the oldest Roberry to get married. I was twenty seven. Barb was twenty five. Um. We also did our, our entire courtship sort of away from the West. We were either in mm. England or in Boston going to grad school. And so because of that, we weren't around mom and dad a lot. With They knew Barb because they had met her at, at college. And one of the most mortifying experiences I ever had was mom 
coming to one of our, my Bible is literature class, and Barb was in that class, and we were both dating other people at the time, and we went out for shakes on 9th East, and we're, yeah, right. we're eating shakes, and mom, mom looks at Barb straight in the eye and says, I don't see why you're not dating my son. <laughs> and I choked on my ice cream, <laughs> and I was trying to slink down into the table, and Barb is feeling very nonplussed, like, what, what's going on? And she's like, but I have a boyfriend, and Ryan has a girlfriend. And Barb, and without missing a beat, Mom looks at Barb right in the eye and says, well, I don't see why that matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, solid. I mean, I guess she, she saw Barb's quality long, not, not before I did probably, but before I was willing to admit that I saw. Mm. Um, but anyway, so we never got the wedding talk. Now, we did sort of wedding preparation. We did wedding, the sort of the sex talk and stuff like that with Barb's bishop. Um, he had a series of sort of talks that we went through. So we did it out there. Um, yeah, we weren't really here. And so it was kind of weird. We flew back to Utah to get married and sealed in the Salt Lake Temple. And, yeah. and then one week later, Barb and I were flying off to Beijing for the year to teach English and history at Peking University. So, yeah, we I would say out of any of the kids, we were probably around mom and dad the least um, before our wedding. Due, due to geography. And I don't know if that's hmm. a good thing or a bad thing. It just is the way it worked. It just is how way, life way it worked out. Working at so, that time. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, you don't know looking back how all the other siblings experienced uh, different stuff. Obviously, I had an extremely different experience than that because <laughs> I was I was super close. I was the first one. I was the youngest, all that good you stuff. You were the, so the, the absolute, and I, and I married a girl from Vegas, yes, yes. right? Who lived right down the street. Right so. I do remember so, so that some talk with mom and dad about sex on their bed, but it was very much like stuff I had already heard before, like dad telling well, good dad reinforced yeah dad, dad saying grandma told him that grandpa was always a gentleman when it came to intimate times and grandpa max and mm. things like that and yeah it right. wasn't and it was pretty much more about communication about like you guys need to communicate with each other and this is a wonderful new phase you're entering but communication is vital you know and that's kind of where they left it you know hmm. they didn't really yeah cool and then not much advice um Aside from, you know, keep the communication lines open. So, yeah, that's all I really yeah. remember. So moving off, completely off wedding, though, any uh, good and or bad advice that dad has ever given you that has um, led to an interesting memory? Um, I'll do good advice. Um, this also actually happened on my mission. So my first first month, the very first place I was at in my mission, I, I, I got to Germany in October. October of 1994 and Germany in October is cold and dark and just gets colder and darker and after about a month there I was feeling pretty low I was missing my friends I was missing my family it was you know the language was new it was difficult and even though the language was new and difficult I spoke better German than my companion did who had been there for 22 months because it was really hard for him uh, and I just sort of <laughs> felt alone. I felt isolated. I felt like, you know, this is, this is going to be a long two years. <laughs> <how I> <laughs> um, 
I, I got this. You uh, would write me good letters, though, so that's good. Yeah, and I would always get your top ten, Fats. That's what kept me going, you know? Hey, it's solid through um, those tough times. Right? Yeah, and uh, so I remember writing a letter home, you know, kind of un- unburdening my heart and saying, you know, I'm feeling sad, and this is just, you know, this is hard. And I remember getting a, I got a cassette tape back from Dad, which is, I don't know if you got cassette tapes. Did you get cassette tapes, Fats? I got a few yeah. that I, you know, from various people. Because I know, I mean, writing was not Dad's strong suit. He'd much rather talk, I think. And um, But I remember getting yep. one particular cassette tape, and as he started addressing, you know, my, my sort of depressed feelings in that letter that I'd written, and he gave me some, some advice that I've never forgotten and, and really helped kickstart my mission. And it was the same advice that uh, Bryant Hinckley gave to Gordon Hinckley when he wrote, his letter <laughs> home and it was forget yourself and go to work. Um, and he was saying yeah. what you need to do is set daily small goals that are achievable. Um, but you need to, you know, quit having a pity party basically. <laughs> That's right. Fuck up little camper. Quit having a pity, pity party. Your mission is not about you. It's about those around you. And so I made goals from that point on to talk to five, to try to talk to five people before lunchtime in a language that I was, you know, still learning. Um, and that's sort of what's, you know, incrementally, you know, I got better and better. And by six months out on my mission, I was not speaking English anymore. I couldn't really remember it. I remember vividly talking to mom and dad, um, on one of like Christmas day, uh, and struggling to find the words in English because Ger- German was just German came to my mind first, and then I was having to translate into English. English after, um, yeah. Did you have German companions, like German speaking companions, or never had a single one? Okay, and a bunch bunch of Americans yep. then. I have a bunch of Americans. I assume this, this comps. Yeah. When I was in the office, I was in the office for eight months, and there, um, Elder Miller was there for six months. He's Swiss, but I was not his direct companion. Uh, but we all did yeah. a lot of stuff together. So he's the, he, I would, and then where there was another German that came in after him that I knew for a month, but never did have a German companion. No, but that didn't stop me from speaking <laughs> beautiful German. By the end of my mission, the Germans knew I wasn't German, but they thought I was Obvious, yeah. Dutch or Danish, which to me is about as good as. You know, hey, I'll that's nice. I'll, if you put me on the continent, they're like, "What part of Denmark are you from?" or "What part of?" Netherlands are you from? And I'm like, well, that's pretty good, you know. That's, you know, they knew yeah, I was not I'll a native it. speaker, but they thought I was close, which was pretty gratifying. So, let's just say the Slovenes never mistook me for a Slovene. <laughs> <so. clears throat> didn't, didn't, didn't. In fact, that didn't happen with anybody ever uh, <laughs> there. But uh, it's just not there. Although I could, pro- I could trick people for about two sentences sometimes. Right. If it was gospel related, right? something I had memorized. How much? How much? Because my my ac- how much pivo? My accent was really good. Yes, how much? Exactly. My accent was good, but you know the grammar was just all over the place. Yeah, yeah, not so great. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that um, piece of advice was really meaningful to me, and I still remember it. And you know, in many ways, I do think that's sort of the motto for what it means to be a disciple of Christ. So, yeah, that's really good. I like it. What um, what is what's some of the most important things that Dad has taught you, whether it be by, you know, literally sitting down and teaching you, or just by example? 
Um, service would be one of the big ones. I have a lot of memories of dad always serving. Um, maybe somewhat a little bit to mom's chagrin when she could have maybe used a little more help. <laughs> but yeah. I do remember one time we were in Colorado in Aurora and we were driving, remember old station wagon with the wood side panel, the yellow Oh, wood wagon. paneling. Class class. And you could sit, you could sit in the back yes. and look back. And seats face backwards. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. driving down Islet, East Islet, which is the East range yeah. the high school was on. And dad was there, and I think you were there, and my, maybe Michael was there too. But there was a car that had pulled up in the middle of the road on the island. And the island is not terribly big there. And it stalled for whatever reason. And this is in the middle of traffic. Like, this is not in the middle of traffic. And it's just sort of a stalled car there. I remember a lot of cars going around this car and just sort of being annoyed that it was blocking the way a little bit. But I remember Dad pulling our station wagon up onto the median and angling it in a way that we could give the guy a jump. You know, he didn't just, he, he didn't just walk by somebody in need and sort of assume that someone else was going to do it. Um, and that taught me a lot about how we need to, you know, treat our brothers and sisters on this earth. So I would say service. Uh, that's one of the biggest lessons I taught that. And also then that the, um, that the priesthood is a tool for service. You know, any priesthood power or authority that we've been given is, is to be used on behalf of others. And I remember him giving countless blessings and, you know, always trying to do his best to stay in tune so that he could act as a, uh, a clarifying mouthpiece of God. Wow. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's one of the things that Dad taught me is, is service. And sometimes I've done a good job emulating that, and other times probably not so good a job. Um, but, yeah, I think it's one of the things that defines him. Do you, did you ever get a, do you remember sitting up on the stand when you were a little boy? I do. Um, I remember sitting up on the stand with a few times with Dad looking down at you guys. Um, another thing I remember sitting up on the stand was sometimes I would sit near dad or on his lap and I can remember dad taking my hand and using my pointer finger to sort of follow the hymns as he sang them. Oh, right. Um, yeah. and I think he probably did that with all of us. Um, but I do remember yeah, that. Yeah. And then I do remember going with dad to city. I remember going with him to a city council meeting and I sat on at the, the fire station, really hard bench this wooden bench outside <laughs> and I essentially, I took a book and I remember the book. It was the 20,000 leagues under the sea by Jules, Jules Verne. And I remember yeah. re- reading that sort of, it was a synopsis of the book. It wasn't the full book, but I remember reading that synopsis and getting through the whole thing. And then dad finally comes out and I don't know how much time it passed, but I do remember going with him to city council meeting mm. at least one. Time. Did you ever get, Oh, nice. Did you ever actually get three scoops of ice cream for being good in church? Or was it always one or zero? I don't remember ever getting three. Uh, that's what I That's what I figured. And yeah. I don't mm-hmm. remember. And if, and if I did get three, it would be of some, you know, second-rate vanilla. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Out of, Let's out just of say we, did, we didn't buy. <laughs> that's like a barrel bin. We we. <laughs> We didn't. We didn't buy premium, baby. It was not. It was. It was economy of whatever. Yeah, I mean, there. All right. No, that's that's hilarious. 
that was one of the one of the funniest memories too is when Barb is a huge ice cream connoisseur. Barb is my wife, by the way. Those of you who are listening, she's a huge ice cream connoisseur. And I remember she came to Vegas and opened the fridge, and Mom had one of those big, you know, two gallon drums of vanilla. And she just looks at me and goes, "This isn't going to work for me." And so we went to the <laughs> store right then and got some pre- ice cream premium snob. level ice creams and brought it home. And yeah. it like, oh, this is so good. And she's like, yeah, this is what you've been missing out on. <laughs> yeah. And it's like five times the price. That's the problem. It, it is, you know, but uh, uh, I mean, yeah. That's why it's good. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, that's, true. that's solid. All right. Well, this is, uh, this is for dedicated to dad's 70th birthday. Hopefully memories that will be cherished for some time. Any last things you want to say to dad for his birthday? I just I love you, Dad. I mean, you are one of the people that are that is a hero to me and someone that I look up to, um, and someone that I feel fortunate enough to know that I can look up to all the time. I mean, that doesn't mean I know I know you have your challenges and difficulties, uh, like like we all do. But I do very much appreciate that you have kept your life Christ centered, and that you've tried as much as you can to show your kids uh, what it means to live a life like that. Um, and I know that can't have been terribly easy necessarily coming from a lot of the situations you came from in Idaho, you know, with, with Mick and grandpa and being alone, um, you had to make some tough choices and you made choices that I think will resonate throughout eternity. Uh, and I just love you and, and, uh, want to give you a big hug. 